0: Hey, kids, you got your sports uniforms? Come on, we got a big game today.
1: And, and all that robs or assails a person from keeping what was received in church. When the word of God is not guarded in the heart, then the devil gets fat. He gets fat. Why does he get fat? Because it says in Matthew 13, 19, Matthew 13, 19, when anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which received seed by the wayside. So nothing wrong with football games, nothing wrong with parties and sports, but this is why God calls us to do a little fasting on Sundays so that we, don't, we, we can keep and guard what we've got. He says in Isaiah 58, 13, Isaiah fifty eight thirteen. if thou turn away thy foot from the Sabbath, from doing thy pleasure on my holy day and call the Sabbath a delight, Holy of the Lord, honorable, thou shalt honor him, not doing thou own ways, nor speaking thine own, nor finding thine own pleasure, nor speaking thine own words. Then shalt thou delight thyself in the Lord, and I'll cause you to ride upon the high places of the earth. See, when the brothers just dismissed out of their mind Joseph's dreams, they remembered them later when they found out that the prime minister of Egypt that they were bowing to was Joseph you know, and, and we bring the gospel to the lost. We bring the gospel to the lost. And if a lost soul just dismisses it and dies in his sin, he'll remember the day when we told him that Jesus was Lord only, and, and as he bows to Jesus, only then it'll be too late. And, and, but, but not for John Stessinger. You remember John Stessinger's? Oh, that's great. You know, there he was, there he writes the book, a famous author, he writes the book from Holocaust to Harvard you know, Henry Kissinger, remember, writes, writes the foreword. And then and now he's sick in Encinitas. Brent goes and visits him, goes to the, presents the gospel to him in the, before he goes into hospice. And John says, what can I do? And then he leads him to the Lord. That's wonderful. So now I told you, he's got to write the book now from Holocaust to Harvard to hospice to heaven. <laughs> All right, now, so when the brothers, they heard Joseph tell his dreams, and they, they didn't realize this is a very important day for them. This is a very important day. and You know, it, it, they just didn't realize that. You know, when we bring the gospel to people, that's a very important day. That's a very important day. This last week I had lunch with a dear couple um, that do not know the Lord. And after lunch, uh, you know, we sat there and I explained the gospel to them. As the woman said, she didn't believe in God. I explained the gospel to them and then I told them, I've got to tell you something. Right now, today, this is one of the most important days in your eternity. Not life. but I didn't say life on earth. In your eternity. Because what we talked about, about how you can become a friend of God's. Now, what's encouraging for us is to see Jacob, I mean Jacob, secretly observe, guard, keep Joseph's words. And as far as Joseph was concerned, he couldn't tell. He couldn't tell that Jacob was doing that. It looked like Jacob was just angry with him, with Joseph for telling him, but something unseen is going on inside of Jacob. Couldn't see it, but something was happening, and Joseph couldn't see it. All Joseph could see was just this outward response of Jacob which was a strong rebuke in verse 10. But when it says that Jacob observed the saying in verse 11, it means something was bothering Jacob. Something was bothering Jacob about this whole incident. This thing just wasn't adding up. It wasn't making sense to him. Because the brothers, you know what they were thinking? They're thinking, ah, Joseph, here he is, He's trying to get the the rule over. He's trying to get the upper hand over us. So they justified writing off Joseph's dreams by concluding that the dreams came from Joseph's pride and it came from Joseph's ambition to rise over them. And that's how the brothers were able to just dismiss any validity in Joseph's dreams. So therefore the brothers, they didn't guard them. They didn't keep them. They, they, they didn't ponder them in their hearts, the dreams. On the other hand, for Jacob, there was just one problem with that logic, with the conclusion of the brothers. And the, the, because the problem is the conclusion of the brothers that it, Joseph was proud and ambitious, that was a problem for Jacob. Why? Because he knew Joseph was not proud and he knew Joseph was not ambitious. So Jacob could not use the same justification. He could not just dismiss the dreams as meaningless because Jacob couldn't, because he knew Joseph, and he knew Joseph was not proud and ambitious. Now, Jacob could not understand Joseph's dreams, especially the part about the moon as Rachel bowing down to Joseph because Rachel has died. I mean... Jacob's thinking goes like this. I don't understand these dreams. I don't understand them. I mean, can you imagine how outlandish these dreams sounded to Jacob? I mean, Jacob is hearing about sheaves standing up and then and coming over, walking over. I Like I said, spooky. And then bowing down, you know. And then can you imagine? He's hearing about sun, moon, stars bowing down to Joseph. I mean, that's pretty much out there, you know. So Jacob, he just did not understand them. So he said, I don't understand the dreams. It doesn't make sense that the dreams are just from Joseph's proud, ambitious heart because Joseph is not proud and ambitious. I don't understand, but I can't get these dreams out of my mind. I can't get them out of my mind. Maybe the moon in Joseph's dreams doesn't represent Rachel. I don't know. He never said it did." Joseph, I said it, you know, Joseph's mother. He never said the moon represented the mother. I don't understand. And therefore, I just can't get these dreams out of my mind. I mean, how could it be possible, he's thinking, how could it be possible for our whole family to bow down to Joseph? I don't understand. But I just can't get these dreams out of my mind. All of that I don't understand, and I can't get these dreams out of my mind, is what is meant in verse 11, but his father observed the same. Outwardly, he just was just as rejecting, just as dismissing of the dreams as the brothers. The brothers and Jacob there make a perfect picture of the effect that the Word of God has on people that we witness to. You know, we bring the gospel to people, and what we see, for the most part, is the same picture of the brothers and Jacob. Both have the same response of rejection and dismissal. I don't think we realize how outlandish and hard to understand the gospel is to the lost. I mean, what are we saying? God coming from heaven to die for our sins? I mean, that's pretty much out there. That's very hard to understand. So most people are like the brothers, and they say, Oh, that's not true. It's from the storybook of the Bible. You cannot be serious. And the majority of people are like the eleven brothers here. And and, and they, they they really do reject and dismiss out of their mind the gospel. But there's a minority of people. There's a minority. And in our picture here in Genesis twelve, it's one out of one out of twelve. Genesis thirty seven, it's one out of twelve. There's there is the one father among the 11 brothers. And on the surface, this minority of people, they appear just like all the rest. They appear like the majority. They just look like the rest. Just, they're just as just rejecting, just as dismissing the gospel out of their minds. But some things they don't understand, and that bothers them. They don't understand how a virgin can give birth. They don't understand how God could become a man. They don't understand how God could die. They don't understand how the life of their friend changed after he became a believer. And so they just can't get the gospel out of their mind. And so they guard it, and they keep it, and they think about it. Even though on the surface, it's all rejection and dismissal of the gospel, just like everyone else. That's Jacob. That's Jacob here. That's what happened to me. That's what happened to me in Cincinnati in 1970, when a couple came from church, came to our apartment. We were living in a really, really, really bad area of River Road in Cincinnati. At that time, when you said River Road, it was like, oh, no. Now it's all built up with condos, and everybody smiles and said, oh, wonderful. But then it wasn't. Anyway, and I invited them in, and they gave me the gospel. I was so obnoxious. I was so belligerent to them. In protest, I sat on the floor. <laughs> I had a sit-down strike against their message. I was rejecting and dismissing. But you know what really got to me? what really got to me was the relationship that I saw between the husband and wife. It was clear to me, they dearly loved each other, and that bothered me. And I thought, how could such good people bring such foolish message? And like Jacob, I didn't understand, but I observed or kept or guarded in my heart the gospel that they brought. And it was months, just months later, that I received the Lord Jesus Christ. That couple never knew. They never knew what happened to me. So the message that comes to us from Jacob in verse 11 is sow, sow, keep on sowing. God will make it grow without your knowing. See? Now, right after this drama, and there's a lot of drama here, right after the drama, uh, what part of Genesis doesn't have drama in it? (laughs) Anyway. All right. Now, right after the drama of these dreams and this rebuke and the rejection of the dreams, we go to verse 12, where it says, his brethren went to feed their father's flock in Shechem. Now, the way this verse follows all the drama of the dreams, it's like saying that life just went on. Life just went on as usual. You know, Joseph told about his dreams. There was a big family blow up. And then everything just sort of settles down to the way that things were before. Life as usual. Brothers take the flock to Shechem. Shechem. Boy, brother, you know, you read this, Brothers Take the Flock Check, and you kind of realize life sure was a lot of work then because the flocks always had to eat. And, you know, and they didn't have the delivery of hay coming and the automatic feeders. And so they, they had the flocks that to be taken where the food was. So there's really no time for any family vacations. You know, someone's got to take care of these flocks. Anyway, all right, doesn't matter. Now, Jacob, he's troubled about something else now, and it's not the dreams. Because now Jacob is worried over his sons because they've gone to Shechem. Oh no. Whenever Jacob hears the word Shechem, he just he, he cringes and he says, Oh, that's the place of the great murderous revenge that my sons took on Dina. Oh no. And so Jacob always worried, and he said that after they had done that terrible thing. He said, you know, the people are going to take revenge on you. The people he didn't kill are going to kill you. And so he always worried about the inhabitants of the land around Shechem, that they're going to rise up and take revenge on his sons for what they did to the Shechemites. So therefore, in verse 13, we read, and Israel said unto Joseph, do not thy brethren feed the flock in Shechem? Come, and I will send thee unto them. And he said unto him, here am I. And we notice that here that Jacob is again called Israel. It says, and Israel said unto Joseph. And with this question that Jacob now asks Joseph, do not thy brethren feed the flock in Shechem, Jacob here is opening up his heart to Joseph. And he's just revealing this deep yearning over his children. He's He's revealing this deep concern for the welfare of his children. I mean, Jacob knew that Joseph had already proven himself to be an effective restrainer of evil when he prevented his children from going deeper into whatever trouble they were in, when Joseph brought to Jacob their evil reports so that Jacob could stop this. So he sends Joseph again. He's, he's worried something bad's going to happen. Maybe they're going to decide to go murder more people they did, only it was one person, but never mind. And and so he he, he says, I'm going to send Joseph there to tell me and to stop this. When we see this, when we see Jacob with this concern, when we see Jacob, we see God the Father. When we see Joseph, we see God the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. When we see Jacob revealing his deep yearning for his children that are prone to get into trouble We see the deep yearning of God the Father for man, for us, that are prone to get into trouble. And in particular for Israel, the Jewish people. And when we see in Jacob the love, the love that yearns for the children's welfare, and how Jacob revealed this yearning love to Joseph, and then sent Joseph, then we see a clear picture of what the Lord Jesus Christ described in John 3.16 when he said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You know what Jacob could have said? He could have said these words, I so love my children that I'm sending you, my son, to them that they should not perish. And that's what the Lord Jesus Christ is saying in John 3.16 there. God the Father so loved the world. He sent his son to them, so that they shouldn't perish but have everlasting life. It's from this heart of this deep concern that drives Jacob the father to send Joseph the son to keep the children from danger. And it was from a heart of deep concern that drove God the father to send God the son to keep the children from danger. Now, notice how in verse 13, he calls on Joseph to see the sons he was being sent to as thy brethren, thy brethren, thy brethren. You know, in essence, he's saying, They may be jealous over you, son, but they're still your brothers. They may envy you, they're still your brothers. They may hate you, they're still your brothers, and I'm sending you to your brothers. It's just like the Lord Jesus. Just like the Lord Jesus when he came to earth. He came to his own Jewish people. John 1 11 makes it very clear. He came into his own. His own received him not. And if when Joseph was looking for his brother, someone told him, well, go to another people instead, Joseph could have replied the exact same words of the Lord Jesus when he said in Matthew fifteen twenty-four. Matthew fifteen twenty-four. but he answered and said to them, I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now, now we see next what Jacob says to Joseph in verse 13, come and I will send thee unto them. See, when Jacob says to Joseph for him first to come to Jacob and then he's going to send him, this shows a wonderful scene between Jacob and Joseph. I mean, there was a special love between Jacob and Joseph that, frankly speaking, Jacob didn't have with, the rest, with his other sons. There was a special loyalty that Joseph had for Jacob, and that special loyalty was just absent in the other sons, in the other brothers. And now Jacob and Joseph are alone. Boy, it must have been nice. You know, the tension's gone, the hatred's gone, the strife is gone, the envy's gone, the jealousy's gone, and all the brothers, they're gone. And now it's just Jacob and Joseph. And, I mean, wow, what a relief. I mean, it reminds us of a special relationship between God the Father and God the Son that's written about in Proverbs 8, Proverbs 8.22 when it says, The Lord possessed me in the beginning of his way before his works of old. I was set up from everlasting, from the, earth, from the beginning, wherever the earth was. And then Proverbs 8, 29, Proverbs eight twenty nine When he gave to the sea his decree that the water should not pass his commandment, when he appointed the foundations of the earth, then I was by him, as one brought up with him. And I was daily his delight, rejoicing always before him. See, that was the picture of God the Son and God the Father. Well, that's the way it was with the father Jacob and the son Joseph. They were, they were really together when the brothers were gone. It was daily each other's delight, happy time. And that's the way it was between God the Father and God the Son. But then a deep concern comes into the heart of Jacob for his children, and he wants to send Joseph. It's going to hurt him. He loves being with Joseph. It's going to hurt him, but he sends him. And Joseph doesn't say to him, what? The the home's finally at peace. We finally got shalom in the home. (laughs) And we're having such a wonderful time together without them. Why do you want to spoil it by sending me to them? Why don't you just forget them? They only bring you trouble. No. Joseph loved Jacob too much for that. And when Joseph saw how much Jacob was troubled by the waywardness of his sons and the care, then Joseph adopts that. Joseph adopts that love and concern for his brothers that his father had for them. And that's the way it was with God the Father. And the, He has a deep concern, was in his heart, was in the heart of God the Father for lost men, and he wants to send God the Son to him. And like Joseph, God the Son doesn't say, Heaven's so wonderful for us here, don't you see? Why do you want to spoil it by sending me to them? Why don't you just forget them? They only bring you trouble. No, the Lord Jesus loves the Father. He was troubled just as much as the Father was by their waywardness of lost man. And so the Lord Jesus is willing to be sent from heaven to earth to rescue lost man that God so loved, John 3, 16. So when we read in verse 13, come and I'll send thee unto them, when we read that, come and I'll send thee unto them, you can write right by that, those words in your Bible, right out of the bosom. Right out of the bosom. Because Joseph was sent right out of the bosom of Jacob. He was sent from the heart of Jacob, just as the Lord Jesus said in John 1.18. John 1.18. No man hath seen God at any time, the only begotten which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. You know, like the hymn goes, Oh, Jesus, blessed Redeemer, sent from the heart of God. That's who the Lord Jesus is, sent from the heart of God. And that's who Joseph was, sent from the heart of Jacob. And when the brothers saw Joseph, they saw the son that was sent from the heart of Jacob. And how was the Lord Jesus received when he was sent from the heart of God? He was crucified. And how was Joseph received when he was sent from the heart of Jacob, who was cast into a pit to die, die a slow death? Now, we see here Joseph's response to the father's desire to send him in verse 13. And he said to him, here am I. So when Joseph heard his father say he wanted to send him to his brothers, you know, we don't see anything like, oh, wait a minute, that's dangerous. You know, last time I was with them feeding sheep and brought you this evil report, I got into a lot of trouble. That started all this hatred against me. And now they won't even say shalom to me. But in Joseph's response, none of that. Just see, he's ready to obey the Father. No hesitation, no words of complaint, just simple compliance to obey, even though he knew he's walking right into the mouth of the lion. That's the way it was for the Lord Jesus Christ. He knew, he knew who he was being sent to, when he said in Luke thirteen thirty four, Luke thirteen thirty four, "O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, which killest the prophets and stonest them that are sent unto thee." And I go next. I'm the next act. You know, they kill all the others, they stone them, and I'm the next one on the stage. He knew, he knew, but just like Joseph, the Lord Jesus, he doesn't hesitate. He doesn't complain. He just simply obeys the Father's will. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for our Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that, that he, Lord, with the full union of your deep concern for us, was willing to sacrifice all the joys and pleasures of heaven to come to us, to save us, to rescue us, to change us, We worship you for that today in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Now, Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. Or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.com. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Sunday Night Church is back. Join Friendship with God Bible teacher Tom Cantor at the new Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Join us early each Sunday at 4.30 p.m. for food and fellowship with Sunday evening services to follow at 5.30 p.m. Watch Tom Cantor and the service on YouTube Live located on the Friendship with God website. Enjoy encouraging teaching from our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, in a relaxed and family-friendly atmosphere. Sunday Night Church is back, so join us at the Friendship with God Fellowship